Um, Stitcher.com, iTunes, subscribe to this lovely, sexy, wonderful podcast for free. Tune in media for your mobile devices, Google Play Podcast, and we are also on Spotify. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that we so lovingly call Bow on Bulls. The show totally, utterly, and foreverly dedicated to the Chicago Bulls and NBA talk. I am Big Dave. How are you, my friend? Good, man. Good. It's good to see you. Like, it's good that you have a camera. Like, I can see you. Like, this is so awesome for me. Yeah, this is like, what, the second episode or second show? Yes. 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 How do you feel now? Like, do you feel like a different man? Do you feel like you need to clean more, like, in your career well, or anything? It's probably because at my job, I'm always on camera. We do meetings at, on Zoom, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, on podcasts, I don't. But yeah, like, if I, like behind me, you have to get rid of that thing right there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Look horrible on the camera, mm. and then I did. They let you know my my old chair looked like I got it from the from the, from the alley in Chicago, yes, South Side. Yes, Something about new chair. On <laughs> 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 camera, I'm like, wow, I had to like straighten up. So I'm I'm gonna at some point add a picture on that when I do podcasts on the right side. Maybe I get that uh, XSL uh, post I had for uh, Kanye West and uh, and put it in the corner. Oh there. yeah, that's a great poster with Dave Chappelle, Kanye, yeah. Dead President. <laughs> Because I think I printed out one for for you. Yeah, you did. You definitely printed one out for me, and it's in my closet. I know it oh. is. I never got it framed. I don't think. Oh, okay. I never got it framed, but I still, I definitely still have it, man. That was a great post, and thank you for that, by the way. That was the last yeah. nice thing you gave me, which was like <laughs> fifteen years ago. But thanks. I think you have it, but you know, Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. <laughs> well, man, dude, we have a very special guest with us today. Um, a guy that I find remarkably intelligent, uh, always very, very opinionated, and self-admittedly very, very petty. And he is hilarious, and he is awesome. And you follow, if you're a Bulls fan, you definitely follow him on Twitter at MK Hoops. His podcast is the Bulls HQ Pod. You can read what he writes there. You can listen to him there. You can hear those smooth, smooth sultry Australian tones. Coming through your airwaves on the Bulls HQ podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for our guy, Mark K. Dave, that is the best intro I've ever ever received, mate. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it so much. For, for me as well, like on a Sunday morning, like that is the way to add an extra pep in my step. So uh, I appreciate it, mate. <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks for coming on here. Um, how is life in Australia with dealing with the pandemic and everything that's going on for you, man? How's life for you? Yeah, look, I'm pretty fortunate mate i would say um with yeah I, i'm obviously not living in the u.s uh, i'm not living in europe where it's been a bit more hectic let's say um it's been fairly fairly controlled here so in in that sense i'm, I'm very fortunate um and through what we're doing now podcasting twitter those sorts of things like i've met a lot of good people a lot of people who, are, who i consider friends a lot of people who I haven't necessarily met in person, but um, a lot of people who are based in the US and Europe who I'm concerned about, I guess, just due to the fact of everything that goes on. But um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting watching it across the world, how each country, each region has handled it. We're pretty strict and quick to get on it, let's say. So uh, like for, to give you an example, we, we went into like a five-day five day mini lockdown, which was our third lockdown maybe a few weeks back simply because we had like two or three cases pop up Mm. um, because of a new strain. Whereas like if I compare that to what's gone on in the UK or parts of the US, like it's, it's completely weird for me to watch it, to be honest with you, because I'm just not used to it. But like, I think we've had like several thousands of cases across 
a year, whereas um, you know other countries are having thousands upon thousands of cases a day. So yeah, just to illustrate that point, I guess I'm very fortunate. We're very lucky down here in that sense. Um, so yeah, we're good. I'm probably more concerned with you know people abroad and, and how they're handling it. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a, a trip to see what's going on here and yeah. how we're handling it. Like what? Yeah. Really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah it doesn't make sense but um yeah it's here in australia the news for like uh, there's a fire every month like the country's burning down yeah and, uh, insects uh <laughs> hate, hate google or facebook so you guys yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're definitely battling with google and facebook at the moment that's probably the big thing thankfully we've had a this summer hasn't been too hot which has been good there hasn't been like yeah. I'm always on edge in summer because I, li- I live in a, I don't live in the bush, let's say. There's, lo- there's a lot of trees around where I am, but um, I'm always on the edge for like spiders and snakes and stuff when I'm rocking around. But thankfully it hasn't been this hot this summer, but um, yeah, no snakes, no fires, no crazy nonsense like that. But uh, yeah, we are battling Facebook and Google at the moment. So that, that's the big, the big thing right now. Wait, so can you confirm that for me, man? It, like in Australia, do you actually wake up every morning worried about a snake or a deadly spider in your shoe? Is that something, is that real? <laughs> or is that just like yeah. long? Or is that true? It's a, it, it depends where you live, mate. It depends where you live. Like if you live in the city or closer, like in the burbs around the city, like it's it's not too bad. I'm probably like 45 minutes out from the city where it's very suburban, let's say. But if you if you go down like five five minutes away from my house, you're, you're pretty much in the bush. There's a lot of trees. Uh, there's not much else going around. And yeah, you can definitely stumble upon a snake or two. Um, I have accidentally almost walked on a dead one. Uh, thankfully, it was it was dead. Um, there's, there's a lot of can- kangaroos bouncing around my area as well. So yeah, I want to say the stereotypes are a bit exaggerated. But at the same time, like if you go like 10, 15 minutes out from where I live at the moment, it is, it is kind of stereotypical Australia in that sense. So yeah, occasionally you have to do you have to worry about it depending on where you're stepping. You definitely don't go any near long grass, that's for sure. Hey, <laughs> hey Dove, the last time I was on uh, uh Mark's podcast, it, it blew my mind when he told me nobody in Australia drinks Fosters. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. That's like, like that, that's yeah. like gruel. Like may, maybe some people do, but uh mm-hmm. no, that's bad, is, man. But what do it's you bad. Say? What is, what is what do I, I'm not much of a drinker, to be honest with you. Maybe the balls make me drink occasionally, but um, <laughs> what, what, do, what do I pull out? I'll pull out like a, a Stella Artois, maybe a Heineken, mm. okay. something like that. I don't know. I'm not much of a drinker, though. I'm not much of a drinker. If I do pull something out, it is a beer. Yeah. But um, I try to stay away from the, the typical Australian beers, let's say, because they're, they're, they're pretty bad, some of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> America has lied to us for many, many years. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it's Australian for beer. Like, oh yeah, oh that's what they're drinking there. No, that's not what they're drinking there. No, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't I, Foster's doesn't really. I mean, it exists, but it's not really a thing anymore. Like, I guess the equivalent now to to Foster's would be like a, a Carlton Draft or or a VB, something like that. Um, at least in the part of the world that I'm in, maybe up north it's a little bit different. But mm. um, yeah, those taste like garbage. So I I, I stay away from those beers. Okay, so the beers they don't even bother putting in the fridge. They guys got them on the shelf for like four ninety nine or something like that for a twelve pack. <laughs> like, yeah, no, look, I, I I don't even know if they're really that cheap to be honest with you. But um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I'm qualified to drink those beers as well because like that, those beers are typically marketed to and reserved to the hardworking people of our country, which mm. I definitely am not. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a pencil pusher of sorts, banging away on the keyboard. So I don't get to, I'm not justified in, in drinking a VB or a, or a Carlton draft. It, it doesn't fit me, I guess, in that sense. Okay. I, okay. I, yeah. It's not, it wouldn't be right for me to drink it. That's fair. Well, one thing you are is a colossal, huge Bulls fan. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm just very intrigued as to how you became that uh, kind of Bulls fan. You know, not being from the States. Like, what was it about the Bulls that kind of pulls you in? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, maybe similar to you guys, but uh, it, it probably comes down to Michael Jordan, I guess. Uh, keep growing up in the, in the 90s, um, you know, it's, for whatever reason, fell into basketball as a sport that I started playing when I was around 10, 12, something like that. And when I was 10 or 12, I was, that would have been, you know, around mid nineties. So at that time with basketball sort of growing as a sport for that kids played in Australia. And because of that, you know, the sport great gaining interest, um, the NBA started to, 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 to get broadcast over in Australia. And we maybe got one or two games a week and we certainly didn't get the entire league, but what we did get was the big teams of, of that era, I suppose, which, one of those teams was always clue the Bulls. It was the Bulls. It was the Knicks. It was the Hornets. Um, maybe the, the Magic back then as well. Like they were the games that we constantly, not constantly, but they, you know, if we were t- to catch a game on a Saturday morning, let's say, like those were the games that would be broadcasted. And like if you would go into your, your, uh, your local merch shop or whatever it would be, like it would be a Bulls hat sitting there or a Hornets hat, the Hornets or. Hornets are such a good brand, man. I mean, yeah. that, that, that's an untapped potential. MJ's got to get on that. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah like the, 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 there were certain teams that just resonated across the globe. And obviously the Bulls, just because of Michael, mm-hmm. uh, they were truly a global team. So yeah, it just all came together like that. I, I was getting into basketball at the right time. Jordan was happening at the right time. And all, it all came together, I guess. And uh, I became a Bulls fan then. I probably wouldn't say I became a diehard then just due to the fact that the internet wasn't really a thing in 1997 or whatever it might be. Um, and I couldn't really get super clean access to the Bulls, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably became a diehard around, around 2002, 2003 when the internet became more of a thing. We were still up on dial-up at that point in Australia. It was still slow as hell, but... Um, Jumping on a jumping on a real GM on back in that time, uh, jumping on NBA.com, following the box scores, and uh, yeah, I guess I really became a diehard when Kirk Heinrich came aboard. So uh, that's when it all started for me as a diehard. But um, I guess the the why I chose the Bulls thing that 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 comes down to Jordan. Mm-hmm. That's so that that says a lot about you that you're saying I became a diehard in 2002 <laughs> in 2003 because those were dark times. From about ninety nine <laughs> to about two thousand four, so yeah. no that that that's stamps your card of validity right there. So <laughs> that you are a Bulls fan for real, man. That's yeah, tough. Yeah. Um, so you got into the Bull. Obviously, your passion led to you, you know, podcasting uh, and doing those things for the Chicago Bulls. But the from for my money, the best thing I've ever seen you do was get on Twitter and argue with Fred every single day. <laughs> of life is the funniest thing it, it it's funny because it kind of uh blurs the lines because people are like does he really hate him <laughs> like does he <laughs> can't stand him but how how did that come about with uh you and Fred how did you guys start that kind of friendship 
To be honest with you, I have no idea how it started. I mean, being being where I am and like I can't turn to the next person to talk basketball with because, I mean, basketball is still a, a growing sport here. It's not something everyone loves. And if people do are into the NBA, they're certainly not into it on the level that I am. So mm. I've always had to get online and reach out to have my box basketball fix from, uh, you know, a Bulls point of view or the NBA, whatever it be. So like I've been on forums for years, blogging for years. And then for whatever reason, around 2014, maybe 2015, I, I, I came across the Twitter. I was sort of late to, to adapt to Twitter. Didn't really start maybe yapping on there until like 2017 or so. But mm. I don't know how it started with Fred and I. I think initially it started on bad terms. Like I, I saw this guy with, you know, the extremely homerific takes. I'm like, this guy is a doofus. Like, what is he even talking about? Like, what what the hell is he talking about? Uh, so we probably initially, from memory at least, probably started on the wrong foot and I was probably, and I started on the wrong foot and we were both very stubborn. And um, we would often get in genuine, genuine uh, arguments, I suppose. Let's put it that way. But over the years, I don't know how it evolved or how it changed, but then... I, I don't know. I'm at the point now where, uh, and I'm, I'm remiss to say this because I don't want to actually say the positive things about Fred and you know bring down the facade. But <laughs> I genuinely, I um, I genuinely love Frederick. Uh, he is the best. Um, but he he still annoys me. He's still irritating. His views are still ridiculous at times. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about him, but he's uh, he's just the best. Um, but he still annoys me. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure what shifted. But uh, we still do love to to have an argument, go back and forth. I mean, just yesterday we we're arguing about a whole bunch of different topics. Yeah. I think it was Chris Paul at one point. Then we we're arguing about the Butler trade, and I don't know. In my and in DMs, we we're arguing about Isaac Okoro and Patrick Williams. Like we're always arguing about something, but like. If it was someone else saying the things Fred would say, like it would really irritate me, and maybe my response would be different. But because it's Fred, and because Fred is who he is, I don't know. It just uh, it has a different effect on me, and I'm I'm willing to to love that affable big douchebag. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't know how it sort of evolved, but it, it is fun. And um, I guess the sad thing with the whole COVID thing coming back to, you know, what we initially started talking about, like I would have loved to have come over to Chicago last year mm-hmm. um, to catch balls games. I think that is one of my goals, I suppose, bucket list items to get over to Chicago one day to see the balls in person. But more than that, and probably more so than, um, than seeing a balls game, I actually want to meet the people that I've been able to become friends with. I mean, like you guys, it would be cool to like go to a pub and, you know, actually talk balls with balls fans in person, meet Frederick in person, a whole bunch of other people. Like that would be yeah. sick. But yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen now, given given everything that's going on. But um, yeah. yeah, that's my long-winded answer to say that um, I don't know how it started. Don't really know how it's evolved. It's all just become one big blur, to be honest with you. But um, I hate that I love him, but um, I love that I hate him at the same time. <laughs> that That is awesome. Go ahead, though. <laughs> I think I one time about you. He was like, uh, he was like, yeah, I needed to podcast somebody, and and I talked to him. He said, cool, you do it. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> you need somebody to podcast with. And this, yeah, so. and you know what's funny? Like usually, the people I, I'm like really close with, I get close with them through like arguments, you know, through yeah, debates yeah. and stuff, like, including me and Dub. Like that's how we got real close as yeah. far as like sports are concerned. 
But Fred, we just bonded <laughs> over straight up sheer positivity. And, yeah, prob- yeah, yeah. and probably, just probably when I told him, you know, my feelings on Kirk Heinrich. And then his eyes, <laughs> lit, his eyes lit up. And, and yeah. then, then I told him I love Ben Gordon and his eyes yeah, were yeah. crazy. And, and we just bonded yeah. from there. So it, we never really argued and debated. But just like I'm sure you've discovered, uh, that a lot of people discover it's not a facade with him. Like no, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very, very real, right? He he's legit, man. And that's 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 I I respect that about him. And on some degree, I envy his positivity. Like in a lot of ways, on like you just mentioned Kirk Heinrich, you just mentioned Ben Gordon. There's a million different topics that you can think about with the Bulls, and we are literally polar opposites apart. Like. Me and Fred would never bond on Kirk Heinrich or yeah. Denzel Valentine or David Nwaba or Tibbs or a million other topics. There's there's so many topics that Fred and I would never bond with. And yeah, I don't know why we're, we've become mates like we have. Um, there's certainly people who I have got into arguments with that um, I probably would never want to podcast with. But um, And I, I can think of a few right off the top of my head, but I won't name them. But for whatever reason with Frederick, uh, yeah, it is. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's it's, it's just clipped, I suppose. Um, yeah, he, he, I think it's just because he, I, despite the takes, he's just a genuinely good person. Um, you, I think you, that, that becomes clear once you actually start talking to him. Um, he's extremely passionate and in a lot of ways the Bulls are very fortunate to have someone like like Fred supporting the team because in, in, in my opinion at least he will probably disagree but in my opinion they've done a lot of things to not necessarily deserve fans like Fred mm. so uh, they're fortunate that uh, you know old Jerry Garpax those sorts of guys they're very fortunate that someone like Frederick does exist um, and 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 you know you too, Dave. I mean, I like to call you the same C Red Fred, um, <laughs> the same C Red Fred, <laughs> because um, I feel like you go like eighty to eighty-five percent of the way that Frederick does. Like you, you guys share similar opinions, share similar takes, but mm-hmm. you know where he goes full C Red Fred, you sort of stop to about 80 percent of the line and say, yeah, you're probably you're probably pushing it too far. <laughs> Um, I'll stay here where I can sort of get some sort of semblance of uh, normality, let's say, whereas Fred pushes the uh, pushes the line and crosses over into crazy a little too often. But um, like I said, I respect it. I like it. Uh, he's a crazy man. I kind of wish I had a little bit of that opt- optimism, maybe 5% of it, definitely not 100% of it. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, we've talked way too much about c This is going to just pump up his ego way too much once he listens to this. He's already got a bit of a... A head wobble when he walks around, given his ego is that big. But um, I'll, yeah. I'll, say, I'll say one more thing about it because you're, you're dead on when you said that. And I told you this, like Fred and I, like you said, we have similar takes, but if you, it's like driving like his bus. Like we're driving down the road together. And then where I see the road running out, <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, we should stop here and get off. And Fred's like, no, we can make it. I'm going all the way, Dave. I'm like, all right, bro. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's that's the analogy that's yeah, the analogy yeah, yeah, that's yeah it, for sure for sure yeah but let's let's talk about these bulls right here um yeah and what's going on this season uh the bulls are actually exciting to watch <laughs> this year um we're happy to watch a bulls game like we look forward to it now um we have an all-star in, in zach levine uh new coach billy donovan brand new front office a lot of things to be happy about um, and of course, there are a lot of negatives uh, going on. Also, we'll get into those in a minute. 
But what what is your take right now on the state of the Bulls right now from what you've seen from this team, man? What How do you feel about this team right now? Yeah, look, I just feel when you bring in good people, at least competent people, that ultimately bears out in the results. I mean, we don't ultimately know what Arturish Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley will be as executives. It's probably too early to tell. But so far, I think they've done a good job. We've seen what Billy Billy Donovan has done in, in college with OKC and now you know through 30-odd games in Chicago. And I would say it's very good, very competent coaching. And when you sort of have those figureheads in place who can sort of steer the direction of the team, it's no real surprise, I guess. Maybe it is to a little bit too, a little bit of a surprise how they're performing right now. But the ship has been steady to the point where it feels like the Bulls are just a good, competent team. And I mean, that bears itself in all the metrics that you want to go over. That everything points to them being a good, competent, you know, 500 team. And that's basically where they're sitting at right now. And you know, given where we've gone or where we've been, let's say, just getting to competency this quickly, um, I'm very pleased with it, I guess. I know a lot of people are already, you know, wanting to trade Zach, wanting to trade that, wanting to do this, wanting to do that because you can't be stuck in mediocrity, can't be stuck in this and that. And I'm like, can we at least get to mediocrity first before we start doing these crazy things? But um, I'm just pleased that, there's been signs of signs of real growth. And I think that's very clear that that has been the case. You, you can point to across the roster. You can point, you can point to the coaching, the, the executives, that there's clearly been growth. Um, so where I've been critical in the past about the Bulls, where people sometimes get the opinion of me that um, I'm a negative Bulls fan or, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, that I can be negative at times. I think I've been overly positive this year because there's been reasons to be. Um, so in that sense, I'm happy where things are right now. I'm not a title of bust kind of guy. I don't believe in that. To me, like if that's the case, then you're just going to be a very angry person for the rest of your life. Like how how often do you uh how often do you see your team win titles? Let's say I don't, don't want to pick on you guys, but you, Dave, you're wearing a Bears hat. Chris, I'm pretty sure you're wearing a Bears jumper right there. I mean, <laughs> if, if Bears fans are going into freaking every season with the title of boss mentality, man, Bears fans would be mad, and maybe they are. I don't know about NFL, so maybe I should steer oh, away they from are. that topic. <laughs> <laughs> they are, and and every what you said earlier when you said um. Uh, having fans like C Red Fred, I feel that way about the Bears. I don't. I don't think the Bears deserve that kind of uh, fandom from people. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they deserve it at all. Not one bit. They are terrible. But again, that's a whole whole other subject. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So as far as uh, you talked about Billy Donovan, and I want to ask you, who's what player? I guess on this team, whose growth has really impressed you this season? By what they've done like what have you seen like who has just really impressed you with their growth from last year to this year well i mean it's gonna be zach i mean you can't go past Zach. i mean i did not expect him to get to the level that he is now where he's a legit all-star um in my mind uh, an obvious all-star uh the things that he's doing from like a, a scoring efficiency point of view are literally things that are only like two or three players in the history of the league of the league rather have ever done. Like it's literally Steph Curry, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant. Like that's yeah. how good his scoring is at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if enough Bulls fans know and recognize and appreciate that fact. Like that literally what he is doing is not 
great or, or, or not not good, not great. It's literally historic right now. Mm-hmm. Now let's see if he keeps it up for the remainder of the season. Maybe it lasts for the season. Maybe maybe it's a one season thing. Who knows if it lasts for the rest of his prime? But irrespective of that, what we're living through right now from a scoring efficiency point of view is literally historic. We're looking at the second best score of the Bulls have ever had in the non-Jordan division. Um, so what Zach is doing, the level that he is doing it at, I still don't think it's being appreciated enough um, to the point where it's still it's still crazy in my mind when I get people online, you know, adding me saying you have to trade Zach, you have to trade Zach, blah blah blah. This team's not good enough. You have to trade him for, for draft picks. Like that drives me absolutely bonkers because he has made serious strides from a scoring point of view. His playmaking has come on. His playmaking has taken a step. His defense has taken a step. I mean, the guy has consistently improved during his time in Chicago. So if you want to point to someone who has consistently grown, someone who's consistently developed, and I guess despite all the nonsense that's gone on, you know, Boylan, Garpax, the changing of coaches, Hoiberg, all the drama, like despite all that, he's consistently improved, whereas maybe others are stalled. So in that sense, Zach... Zach should be a fan, a fan favorite because of that, because despite everything that has gone on and despite all the things that have maybe stopped other players like Lowry or Kobe or Wendell or whoever else, like we, we talk about how Boylan was bad for this player or this player, like Boylan was bad for everyone. But despite that, like Zach has still found ways to grow each season. So he deserves a ton of credit. Um, and maybe where I was, not a doubter, let's say, but I was, I was cautious about what he could be when we traded him, particularly after the ACL. Like if I take my thoughts from then to the contract where he received at that point, where I was like, oh, you know, this could go one of two ways. Let's wait and see how it happens to now, to now where we are today, thinking about where we are today, like over that three to four year period. I mean, Zach should be an absolutely fan favorite. Someone the, the fan base should revere, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it doesn't completely feel like that, which mm-hmm. It's crazy to me, but um, yeah, to answer your question, it's Zach, but even like, even guys like Wendell Carter has shown signs of growth. Uh, that's very clear to me. I am a Carter stand, so people listening to this who know that will um, will obviously think I'm being biased here, but to me, he's clearly shown signs of growth. Uh, Kobe has developed in area, in some areas as well this season. He's probably had an inconsistent season, but he's he's definitely shown certain signs of growth. Um. I mean, Thad Young, I mean, freaking hell, the dude's 32 and he's become like an absolute passing wizard. Like that is a sign of growth as well. Like even though he's past his prime, or at least we thought he was, he is playing at a level that he, I don't know if he's ever played at a level before. So mm-hmm. there's growth all, all, all across the roster, to be honest with you. So I'm happy with that from the Bulls point of view. I don't know if it was always there, just was untapped because of the coaching previously and maybe Donovan's just come come through and unlocked it. Maybe he has. Maybe these guys are just sort of. Maybe that's just a nice coincidence, and these guys are just grown um, by themselves. I, I don't know who you can really point to and, and what the impetus was, but there's clearly you know four, five, six guys on this roster who have taken clear steps, and um, that, that's encouraging. Very. Oh, um, Dub, do you feel yeah. the same way as far as uh, the growth? Yeah, I do. And you know, uh, Mark, I was going to ask you like how you initially felt about you know the Bulls getting Zach. Um, but you clearly explained that, you know, you had your doubts a little bit. Um, but but for me, uh, I love the fact that we got Zach. Uh, Dave knows this. If you're athletic and you're like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and you show that you work hard and you can jump out the gym like that, 
come on, I would rather risk that. Come on, come on my team. You know what I'm saying? So, so the way Zach is playing now is exactly how I pictured him playing. Yeah, I had yeah. these conversations when he first got out of Gatlin. I was like, man, he could jump. He's athletic. And he could play the point guard, you know, a little bit. Uh, how could you not like this? And then I was like, well, maybe in two years or so, you know, he, if he wants to take the next step, he has to know how to handle the ball more and be a playmaker and make everyone else better. And this year, you've seen that a lot. Last year, you know, you watch greats like LeBron James and how they sort of orchestrate the, the floor and how they see passes like two steps ahead and skip a pass real quick. Zach lacked that when he first came to the Bulls. He lacked that. Even last year, he lacked the ability to kind of see the floor and see how plays develop. This year, you see it. You know, a pick and roll come on, dip it down, pick and roll around the court. No, you see him, he sees the floor, he understands what's happening to play after the next when he passes the ball. And it's, and it's a wonderful to see that growth. And you have him, you have the elite player, which is elite now, at a great price. Because <laughs> you know every two years, players get paid a ton of money. So we got him at that great price in the contract. I, I, I love Zach. I don't, I don't understand the whole thing about what, let's trade one of the best players in the league. <laughs> to do what? To get a, to have a player to be like Zach again? You got him already. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I never said that concept of like <clears throat> trading a great player to draft a player to be great. You're just. You're just. I don't know what you doing. You shoot something in the foot. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just insane to me. He's there already. Yeah. He's an all star. He's great. You got him. You don't need to find that other Zach. You have him there already. You know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. No, I completely agree with all that. And even with you guys. Mark, you, you're dead on as far as like the Bulls fan base not all being in unison with the love for him. Because even just today, uh, somebody quote tweeted something I, I said about Zach because they were showing how Zach's defense improved in February. And I was like, wow, how dare he improve, <laughs> you yeah, know, and get better. Yeah. And somebody said, well, yeah, but, you know, now he's got to cut down on turning the ball over six times a game. I'm like, dude, you're never going to be happy. You know, yeah. you, at first you were like, man, well, he scores too much, which is insane to me. He scores too much. And then he becomes more, then he became more efficient. And then it was, well, his defense sucks. And then you see his defense start getting better, that improvement there. Well, he's turned the ball over too much. Like the things they want corrected on Zach would mean he would become a top three player in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? And that is not normal. Like that's why it's not a lot of them. You know, so yeah. be happy that we have this guy because he is elite a scorer, you know, 28, five and five, man. That's insane. Like you said, like Larry, what I mean, he's what he's shooting 50, 40 and 86. And I believe like you said, two people like Steph Curry and Larry Bird, who did it three times, which is ridiculous. But he's in, he's in that level. Like those are the names we're mentioning him with, man. He deserves much more love than what he's getting. He really does. Yeah, David, keep it keep in mind, Dave. Um, obviously, the turnover happens because he has to handle the ball. You handle the ball a lot in the NBA, you're going to turn the ball over a lot. And two, he's not playing with anybody give, giving him open shots. He's <laughs> like curating all of his shots. Imagine how he would be, Mark, if he had a true point guard. Even Chris, can you imagine Chris Paul on his team? Mm. You see, yeah. that oh, Booker yeah. runs around. Devin Booker, he didn't even make a sweat because he didn't have to do anything. He was running around two shots. I can be good and bad sometimes. Chris Paul does hold the ball a little bit, you know. You like, <laughs> but still, he's great. And so, like, if Zach even gets a playmaker in the team, Mark, how better would he be if he just could like run out, you know, had this this, this play off the ball and spot up two threes? 
Well, Chris, I mean, you, you said that my uh, my magic word, which is CP3. I mean, I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely adore Chris Paul. So, um, I I wasn't actually mad when we lost to the Suns the other day. So it's oh, um... <laughs> well, take off that shirt right now. Take it off. Well, I should put a CP3 shirt on because I mean, everything Chris Paul did against the Bulls, I was just sitting there. This is why I love this guy because he just controls the game to a point where it's just like, this is art. It's not basketball. It's art. Mm. But to your point, I mean, yeah, I mean, you put better players around Zach Levine, you're going to get better results. I mean, the fact that Zach has had someone like Thad Young, and this is really sad that Thad Young has become the second best player that Zach has ever played with through the last three to four years that he's been in Chicago. Like, there were so many Bulls fans last year who were disappointed in Thad, didn't even want Thad back on the team this year. But Thad has become what I thought he was when we signed him, even more, to be honest with you. But the fact that that, uh, Zach has had Thad there to be an exit point of this pick and roll right now. I think what we're going to start seeing over the next sort of 10, 20, 30 games is teams are really going to start trapping Zach. They're going to start doubling him hard because he literally is the only perimeter threat. I mean, Kobe has his moments. Sadox can do some things as a secondary or tertiary creator, but really, I mean, the, the playbook on the Bulls is very similar to, to what it is for the Mavericks in the sense that you're locking into a guy like Doncic. You're trying to get the ball out of his hands. And if you can you know, let other guys create because the other guys are so inferior that, you know, you're going to live with those results. And it's going to get to the point with the Bulls where that's going to start happening with Levine, where teams are adjusting now. And then they're realizing this isn't, this isn't just a hot street with Zach, that this is, this is the new normal. So how do we stop this guy from killing us in the half court? Because his scoring in the half court has been insane this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so to your point, Chris, I mean, like, whether it's a playmaker, whether it's a wing, whether it's Thad, like, just just get this guy some better players because, you know, one of the real areas of, of growth for Zach is his ability to read when those doubles are coming. And he's just making the simple dump-off pass or the slip pass to someone like Thad who then gets that four-on-three situation where he can use his passing to create advantageous scenarios for the Bulls and you know Thad has been doing Magic Johnson type things at the moment so he's at the moment he is this team's Chris Paul to a lesser degree so just get Zach good players like get other players who are maybe similar level to Thad preferably a little bit more but I I was tweeting about it the other day if you could just get another Thad level player who's on the wing or at or at point guard or something like that and then you've got you've got a legit top 30 guy like Zach You've got Thad, who's probably like a top 60, top 70 guy right now. And mm-hmm. if you could get another Thad, let's say, to this roster, then, my God, this team would actually be half decent. Like, the lineups where Zach is playing with the veterans, like Sato, Thad, and uh, Temple, not Otto, because Otto just can't play ever, it would Ooh. appear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But when those four guys share the court together, their, their, not, their net rating is just absolutely insane. So, like... To anyone quoting on-off numbers, to anyone you know saying Zach can't lift a team by himself, all this sort of stuff, like understand the context of the lineups he's playing with and the and the just the, the rosters that he's been playing with the last three to four years. If you just get these guys some competent, smart basketball players, like we sort of start to see this season where you've got Thad, Temple, and uh Sato getting a good chunk of minutes, those guys lift up Zach's game. He lifts them. He lifts up their game. So can we just get in some more help to help Zach at this point? Because the dude is 26 next month. He's in his prime. He's turned into the all-star that we hoped you would get from a trade, like a Butler trade. I, I don't want to go into the Butler trade because I still hate it. <laughs> but, um, 
I mean, Zach has done everything he can. Now it's time for the Bulls to sort of help him out and, you know, help his growth out by getting good players next to him. And I think we've been extremely lucky that Thad has done that, but we need more Thads uh, and preferably uh, guys that are better than Thad, let's say. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. It's funny, yeah. the guy you described, Mark, is a guy named uh, Otto Porter Jr., which would be great on this team. Oh, uh, man. Oh, he's on the team, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, we got to have him. In theory, in theory. Yeah, theory. But, Mark, to get players, though, Mark, you know, you can't just put them out thin air. You got to give up yeah. assets to get For good sure. players. Yep. So who are you willing to give up on this team to get good well, players? The more I've seen from from Zach Rowe, and um, the key thing that I've got in my mind at the moment is the fact that, you know, the Bulls are losing leverage with Zach Levine. And what I'm saying by that is previously, you know, where he, when he was a decent player, a good player, where he had the, the keys to the franchise before, and maybe that was the luxury he maybe wasn't really uh, worth, let's say. Like the Bulls had the leverage in that sense. Like they could give him that. They could give him the big dollars. So he was always probably going to stay in Chicago. But now we've gotten to the point where Zach is so good. I could imagine so many teams chasing Zach. And if the Bulls don't come to the party, both off the court from a dollar's point of view, but also on the court in terms of putting a good product around him, like, are we sure that Zach Levine is going to remain in Chicago? And I say that because... Yeah, go ahead. You avoid my question, man. Who are you willing? To, who are you willing to give up? I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there in a long-winded <laughs> okay. way. I'm getting there in a long-winded way. So I'm, I'm I'm actually fearful of losing Zach at this point, particularly mm-hmm. if the team misses the playoffs this season. Maybe if you trade that, trade some of the other veterans, the team goes into full-on tank, and then you go younger again next season when he's an unrest- unrestricted free agent. That would be maybe eight years with Zach having some modicum yeah. of success. To the point where if I'm Zach at that point and I'm worth a max deal, so many other teams will pay me a max deal. Am I having some wandering eyes? So to answer your question, I'm putting on the table a lot of these young guys and a lot of the future draft picks to maybe swing for a deal for a future star, whoever that star is. Um, The one that I've been banging on about is Bradley Bill. If it's not Bradley Bill, is it Carl Anthony Towns? I mean, we played the Wolves the other day. The Wolves are an absolute abomination. (laughs) Sorry, Wolves fans, if there are two or three of you listening into this. <laughs> but, I mean, is there a way that we can get Carl Anthony Towns? I mean, he and Zach are really close. I can't think of a better powerful to pair Carl Anthony Towns with than Patrick Williams. So, is there a way that I can sneak that deal in? I, I don't know. Is there another disgruntled star that's going to come up in the next six months that we don't know about yeah. that we can maybe, you know, entice to come to Chicago? Can we play the free agency game with some sort of level of success if we go all in? on free agency and do it properly. And maybe similar to how the Brooklyn Nets do it, you know, show that the organization is competent now. And can we lure some free agents in? And I can already hear some of your listeners saying free agents never come to Chicago. We should just get, you know, trade Zach because, you know, we need draft picks. And that mentality just makes absolutely zero sense to me because I mean, when, when is, when is Chicago going to start acting like a big market team for, for a change? Can we actually make some trades that improve the team rather than selling off guys? Because, you know, we want to, you know, they're free agents coming up. We want to maximize their trade value to get in a future draft pick or something like that. Can we can we start acting like a big market team? Like when would the Lakers ever make moves like that? Mm. They wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't. Like, can we start acting like a real team for a change? So I don't know who that guy is. Maybe it's not a Bradley Bill. Maybe it's not even a Carl Anthony Towns level player, but I don't know. Can we get in another top 40, top 50 player to put next to Zach? Or even just, can we build this Bulls team up to be 
a version of Jimmy's Heat last year mm. or a version of the Indiana Pacers or a version of the Portland Trailblazers. It's like, again, like I said before, I'm not a title of bus mentality guy, but for the next five to seven years, if we can just be, build a team that consistently wins 50, 55 games, never, maybe never wins a title, maybe never gets out of the Eastern Conference finals, but, you know, it's, it's consistently a top three or four seed, then, mm-hmm. you know, I would be very happy with that. Uh, again, maybe some of your listeners listening to this are, are recoiling at that, but um, I'm at the point now where I'm mortgaging the future, let's say, and by that I mean guys like Lowry, guys like Kobe, future draft picks. I'm putting all that on the table. If I have to put my beloved Wendell on the table, then I'm doing it. Um, pretty much yeah. Zach and Patrick Williams are the only untouchables for me. Yes. Find some sort of combinations that gets me Carl Towns, that gets me Bradley Beal, whoever their insert player name. I mean, if you look around the league, like the top 30 guys around the league, so many so many of those guys change teams every three to four years. So mm-hmm. I don't get this logic of we need to go to the draft, we need to go to the draft. It, it doesn't make sense anymore. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is the stuff Chris and I keep saying as far as who is the guys that should be available and shouldn't be. And I'm like, there are only two guys that this front office is really tied to. And that's and it's Patrick Williams and it's Zach Levine. And for me, it's more so even just Patrick Williams because that's their draft pick. So, but it's definitely Zach Levine because, you know, just how elite he is. But it doesn't matter who we like. Like, there are players, I love Laurie Marketing. Everybody knows this. I love him. He can go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He can go. It's okay. I'm all right. I love Kobe White. He can go. You know, I, all those guys I'm not tied to. Uh, and I'm quite okay with them trading uh, for any of these players. Like, because like you said, man, we, we, we want stars here. And we deserve to have that. So you're right. Like, even getting to the level where we're just competent is not crazy to say because we haven't seen it in so long. So, yeah, it'd be good to be there. I would love to be Denver, you know? <laughs> I would love to be the Nuggets right now, man. Like, just being in the hunt, you know, and just being on TV all the time and and not going in thinking gloom and doom because every game, every Bulls game, because of how trained we've been these past couple of years, it's, oh, man, we're going to blow this lead. Oh, man, we're going to lose. Oh, man, this isn't going to happen. Oh, man, I can't – oh, this is going to suck for us. So – all that positivity doesn't matter because of all the crap that we've seen in the past. So yeah, I would love to just get back to that. It, it would feel good. It would feel good, man. Like if, just look at this season when I be 500 and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, man. But like, even like, even like a team like Utah, Yeah, like, Utah is outperforming expectations right now. But I mean, I don't look at Utah's situation and, and see it as some insurmountable thing. Like maybe what the Lakers have where you have LeBron and AD is insurmountable because you have like, Maybe the second or the second greatest player of all time. Some people argue the greatest player of all time. I'm, I'm sure we on this podcast won't, but well, we're smart. you have literally, yeah, yeah, exactly. But so I mean, you, you've got <laughs> you, you've got LeBron, you've got AD, a future Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, that is probably insurmountable. Yeah, maybe we can't get Kawhi and Paul George, two top ten guys on the same team. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But is is the Utah Jazz so insurmountable? Like, is that not possible? I don't know about that. It obviously takes good management. It takes uh, good drafting. It takes good free agent signings. It takes like great coaching to get all that to sort of happen. But I don't know. Is, is that completely unheard of? Is that is that entirely not possible in Chicago? I, I, I don't think so. Like, again, the Jazz may never win a title, but are you telling me Jazz fans aren't happy with this team and what the, you know, the success that they've consistently had over the years? They've never won a title. But they've, they've, they haven't really experienced losing basketball either. 
and there, there is value to that. There's, there's, there's worth to that. So, um, particularly where, where we've been over the last 20 odd years, I mean, it's been a long time since the Bulls were legit title contenders. I mean, we had that brief, that brief uh, moment with De- uh, Derek Rose and that team, but beyond that, you know, remove 2011, remove 2012. I mean, this has been a pretty, a pretty lean year, a pretty lean years rather for Bulls fans. So can we at least get to the point where consistently experiencing good winning basketball? We haven't, we haven't had that yeah. for like literally 25 years. So can we get there first before people are, you know, talking about, you know, you need to trade Zach because he's not a number one guy on a, on a title contender. You can't give him a max contract because he's not a number one guy. You need to trade Zach for Victor Oladipo on a first round pick because he's not worth more than $25 million. Like some stupid beat writers would suggest. Like, I mean, I don't know what people are thinking, but can we, can we take steps to this thing? And can we just, can we be the Utah jazz first before we be, you know, the Michael Jordan pulls? Um, I don't get it. I, I would get that. Cause I remember, you know, earlier in the season, I was thinking, you know, you know, Billy Donovan and the front office, the new front office, you know, the kind of, you know, especially with Billy Donovan getting, get, giving, you know, getting the latitude to those sort of like be end of, be end of decision-making of the Bulls. I kind of thought maybe everyone wants to start young. I think Zach Levine that has proved like you don't have to start young out here. So I think they're, I think in some ways Zach's performance has sort of like stepped the approval to get, an all-star instead of like maybe going young and trying to get trade, trade and then young people get trade assets and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. My dream is to get uh Nicola Bucevic on the team somehow because he's Orlando. Oh, he's, been, he's been losing for so much. You know, Orlando's type of team to get to like trade him all for a bunch of okay players from the Bulls. Mm-hmm. They're happy online. They don't care about that They don't care what they get. They don't get an okay team. Then he comes to the Bulls. He's on a losing team. He can't be happy there. I don't know. I don't know the situation. I don't know if he's happy there in Orlando, but he's too good of a player to waste away in Orlando. Come to Chicago, play the all-star, and we play like Zach Levine. Let's get it going. No, Dub would tell you, like, my love for Vooch happened when I was watching Lowry. Like, when I was writing an article on Lowry a couple years ago, and the Bulls played the Magic, and, I mean, he just ate Lowry's lunch, man. Like, he just took – and I was like – and I'm talking to Chris, like, dude, who is this dude? Like, I don't know who this is, but I like him a lot. Like, he knew how to play the game. He his inside out game was just so impressive. So I'm I was super happy for him making an all star team. Man, he's averaging twenty four and eleven, like and you don't even know it. Like you don't even know it. Thirty point triple double this year. Like he's, he's been Orlando, Orlando. Come he's Chicago. Been, he's been awesome. Come I love Chicago. Come to Chicago. Come to Chicago. Um, let me ask you this, Mark, because this is one of the things we uh disagree on. Uh, the top Tomas Sadaransky starting, and my question to you about him is: Is it the fact you want to see Tomas starting or you just want somebody with his skill set starting? Uh, it's, it's a combination of things. So for me, I think if the Bulls are serious about winning, then I don't get the starting lineup they're putting up. Like it feels like the starting lineup is constantly hemorrhaging leads to the start of games. And then, you know, you insert that, you insert Temple, <laughs> you insert Sato, whoever it may be, the bench comes in and, I mean, we saw it against the Suns. Like the, the starters got down six, eight, ten points, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Then you throw in Thad and a few other guys, and suddenly the scores at quarter time are, are fairly, you know, comparable. So I, I, I kind of just more holistically don't know why the Bulls aren't doing a better job, maybe blending their lineups from the get go. Like Billy does a good job of that, maybe through the game, but it, it kind of feels like we're spotting other teams six to ten points at the start of games for whatever reason. We obviously can make that back up when 
you know, when our bench unit just kills other bench units, but mm-hmm. I don't know, can we, can we blend that a little bit better? So, that, so that's part of my thinking. I just think the team just naturally runs a more cohesive offense when Sato is in as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just, he's, he's a better playmaker than Kobe. Um, he's a better ball mover than Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, I think the ball just hums around a lot better, which is what I want to see. And like, well, like we were talking about with, before with Zach, like so many of his minutes, minutes are spent within that starting unit and that starting unit carrying so many young guys who don't necessarily know how to play basketball. Um, like that is impacting Zach too. So like, can we get some, can we get some guys in that can help Zach from that point of view? So that's an element of it. But I, I, I'm always of the view that like I want to bring these young guys on along slowly. Mm. And I, I don't know if like pairing them all together and just hoping it all comes together makes sense. Like I have my issues with Kobe. I certainly have my issues with Lowry. But like at the same time, if I'm being fair and objective about it, maybe less so Lowry now because we're four years into this. But like for Kobe, like as, as much as I can be a, a hater, let's say, as some people would say, mm-hmm. um, I kind of feel bad for Kobe as to what they're asking him to do. Like they're asking him a lot of this hinge this, this season sort of hinges on Kobe, which is kind of ridiculous and kind of unfair because like the success that he, that he can bring at point guard will ultimately transfer to the success in, on the team in a lot of ways. And I don't know if that's fair to ask some dude that's never really played point guard before, never really been the lead creator, lead distributor for others. Like that, I, that is unfair. So like in a rational moment, like I am in them at like I'm in right now, maybe less so during games, mm. but like that is unfair. And I feel bad for Kobe in that sense. So I would prefer him to be completely off ball. Mm. I would prefer him to be maybe not a gunner or such, but to, to just, to, just to be a shooting guard type thing. He can still maybe quote unquote be the point guard, but he's not necessarily creating the offense. Uh, maybe he's a secondary creator. Maybe he's a tertiary creator. You, you let your lead guy create. And maybe when that action dies down, the ball swings around back to the other side of the court. And then that, that's when Kobe can be effective. But if you're just giving the ball to Kobe at the top of the key, just to initiate the offense, trying to have him at least break down the offense straight away. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be successful in that long. I think that's a lot to ask for him. So I just, I just prefer the balance of it all. I think it would be better for Kobe just to let Kobe cook. I don't, for me, I don't see it as a, a demotion or as a bad thing to have Kobe come off the bench, let him do his thing, let him score his 15, 17 points per game, cook the way he does and really cook these second units like he was doing last year. Like so long as he's getting the right attempts, he's getting minutes and he's getting an opportunity, then I don't really care if it's starting or or coming off the bench. But for me, just him coming off the bench just enables a lot of other different things that extend beyond Kobe. And for me, like this season shouldn't hinge on Kobe. Like this, this season should be about the entire team. And I don't know, I kind of feel like too much of it weighs upon guys like Kobe, even Wendell Carter, like they don't have a lot of good backups and they're, you know, whether those guys are up or down kind of dictates how good this team is. And that's unfortunate when we, when we've been, you know, we've been talking about Zach a lot on this, on this podcast. And it's unfortunate when, you know, Zach has to go and do it all on himself. But maybe if those guys were better supported and, and in better roles, then um maybe things would be going a little bit differently. So I don't know. I like Kobe. I think he can be good. I just don't know if he's in the right role. And coming back to the to the, the jazz comparison, like I mean, I don't know why people bristle at this thought, but like Kobe being this team's Jordan Clarkson is not a bad thing. But if you say that people 
people take that as a slight. I mean, Jordan Clarkson has been absolutely unreal this season. He's going to win six man of the year. He's like a top five or six guy on the Utah Jazz. He's like super important to their success right now. Like they have been crying out for another guy that can sort of create like um, beyond Donovan Mitchell. Like he's super important to that team. But like for whatever reason, people take bring Kobe off the bench as a slide of sorts, which I don't. I, I, don't, I don't view it that way. But uh, look, that, that's my rant. I, I think the Bulls would just be better balanced that way. Um, if you had Sato in the starting lineup next to next to, to Zach Levine, and then you could sort of stagger the minutes of Levine and Kobe much easier that way, and you're mm-hmm. just making sure one of them is on the court the entire time. Uh, I, I prefer that, but look, at the same time, I, I understand what they're doing too. Yeah, but here, here's my thing too, what you're saying. I, I don't have a problem with Kobe coming off the bench at all. I always want to make that clear to people. My thing is, I just don't think Sadoransky was is better than Kobe White. And I like what Kobe does more than Sad because I think when Sadoransky starts, I know I think I know what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna end up with eight points, five rebounds, four assists. And the floor is gonna be balanced and all those things are gonna run smoothly. I, I get all that. But I like what Kobe because when Kobe is cooking, like he's unstoppable. Like you can't do anything with that. I only if you're gonna put him on the bench, I'd rather a better guard take that. That's why I hadn't, that's why I wanted Lonzo Ball so bad because I have no problem with Lonzo coming in. Bet Kobe go go to the six, go to the bench. That's fine. I have no issue with that. And even with Jordan Clarkson, like you said, like he's on the bench though. But you know the guy in front of him is like Mike Conley and, and Devin Mitchell. I mean, and I'm sorry, uh, Sp- Spider Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. Those are the guys like that are ahead of him. Those are clearly you know better players than him. And that's 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 my only thing to it. I I know what's we all know what Kobe's lacking. We know he's not a point guard. You know we we know that they need a facilitator and we know they need a guy with vision. And you make it a great point, like Kobe being put in a tough position because he's learning how to do this in a season where you're trying to make the playoffs now. You know, like you're kind of on the map now. But it's just the fact that I don't think that Tomas is better. And Tomas has been great. I think he's showing how comfortable he is coming off the bench, like even developing that chemistry with that, you know, the law offices are sat on young, um, <laughs> having that great chemistry with him that I think he's in a really comfortable position. And I, I just like where he is right now. And I think he's comfortable where he is, but I, I don't disagree with putting Kobe on the bench. I just would want someone better. If that, if that Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm, and I'm not sure Sato is necessarily quote unquote, better than Kobe. Um, but I just think he's a better fit next to Zach than Kobe. Mm. So in that sense, yeah, I, 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 I certainly think Kobe will have a better career than Sato. I think he'll be definitely better than Sadoransky. Maybe, maybe in the back half of this season that this, this happens, but I would expect by next season that he's better than Sadoransky, uh, if I don't already think that. But to me, it's just the fit of Sadoransky makes sense with Zach. It maybe makes more sense for guys like Wendell and, and Lowry too. Like if, if Lowry comes back into the starting lineup, then those guys, even Pat Will at this point, like they're, they're, those guys are heavily assisted on their baskets. And if I want Lowry to be effective or Wendell to be effective, Patrick Williams, then I guess I've got more faith in uh, Sadoransky setting the table for those guys than I do Kobe, which is why I prefer Sato in that role. And then when we go to our second units where you've got Thad in there with Kobe, having someone like Thad to set the table for Kobe, 
like that would be nice. And then that, that would allow Kobe to just go in there and cook the way he does and, and he can get hot the way he does and just focus on being Kobe and doing the things he does well. And I guess that's my thing. Like take the base skill set that a player has and then just try to add five to 10% over, you know, a 10 to 12, 10 to 20 game block and, and just try to add slowly to guys rather than just throwing them in the deep end and saying, all right, this is what you're doing now. You know, this is your base skill set, but let's add 50% on top. Uh, like that to me is too much maybe that's maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm being too conservative but i would just i would prefer they 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 slowly bring these guys along and i think you can do that with kobe while still getting the best out of him and i'm just not sure if they are getting the best out of him and i kind of feel like the reason why he's been even more inconsistent this season than last um versus expectations at least is part of you know that they're asking him to do too much which is unfair Go ahead, Chris. You know, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm more in Dave's camp. Uh, I, I don't. I personally have an issue with Kobe, Kobe coming off the bench. I kind of have the same rationale as Dave. But something you mentioned that I didn't really hear argue too much is that because I was wondering, okay, the sellers in a, in the starting lineup, you have the same issue. You're gonna have another issue, which is like at some point you can't score the first in the first quarter because Salah may have a bad you know, shooting. Like he's hot now, but you know Salah go cold, and then you're still down by five points. But you mentioned that the other players, like Pat Will, like how much does he lift up his game and, uh, you know, and Pat, you know, uh, Pete up game in the starting lineup and Salas in the lineup? Uh, I don't know if it's that much, to be honest with you. Uh, and I don't know if – I think Zach doesn't need anybody to lift his game up. So I think you're always going to get Zach no matter who's starting the point guard. But Sato affected other players, Yes. May affect Pat Will a little bit, but I don't know if Pat Will is going. His average is going to go up by five points because Sato's in the starting lineup. Uh, I just worry about Sato because we've seen the starting lineup before. I just worry about him kind of like is the, the, the issue is that the issue is that you have Kobe asked to do too much, and the Sato's in the starting lineup. He's also asked to do too much. He's not a starter. He's a great, you know, bench point guard, right? But I think today's point and kind of like Wiley, you know, is that. If Kobe's in the lineup, I know Kobe could go here at some point. I know Sato is not going to go here in the, in the starting lineup. I know he's at some point he's going to level off. He may bring the starting lineup down at some point. So I don't, so it's, it's it's frustrating being a Bulls fan because we have all these players who are like average, and we're like, can't he just be a little more be a little above average? Like Lord yeah. Mark, Lord Mark, these guys are seven picks and they're not number two. They're threes and fours. So like, yeah, you can swap them back and forth. All you want to, but you're going to get the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, your lead players are going to be elite. You very good players, you know, are going to be very good, and, you, and it's up to the you know role players to, to fit in. If you take, if you have role players in the team, if you lack the talent on your team overall, role players have to do more things than, than what they can do. And thus, you get the Bulls, and you get live marketing, not doing much. That's like you're doing much. You get players trying to be punk guards, but they should be punk guards because you don't have one. You want Sal to score more points because he, but he can't, but he has to score more points because he's on the Bulls team. That's what that's what I'm getting out. That's what I'm getting out. This, this average players, we will ask them to do too much. Just a little bit more, a little, a little bit too much for what, for what they can do in the skill set. So I don't know if it's a, if it's a, a huge difference. This Sal's on the starting lineup or not. I'd rather have because I don't I don't want to see a start a first quarter where I see Zach just taking all the shots because you know with Zach is scoring. Uh, I rather I I rather I rather start the game off with uh with Kobe and start lineup, but I hear I hear your point. I don't have a problem with the, about the bench. Uh, I think he's great off the ball, catching soup situations, 
but you know, you know, I hear a lot of times, you know, especially the nonsense worry about, you know, if you go to the bench, what about the psyche? You know, is Kobe not starting? How, how does that ha- uh, hurt him mentally? I don't know, but um, I I I'd rather see the starting. I'd rather see just just the top scorer, a scorer like him, go off and cook and help Zach with the shooting low in the first in the first uh, in the first quarter, um, starting with uh, with Zach. So that's how I feel. Yeah, look. And you may be right. Like, this is one of those topics where I have an opinion on, but it's not one where I feel, like, steadfast on. Like, I may be wrong on it, and I accept I may be wrong on this one. Um, like, there is scope for me to be wrong on this one. Like, maybe you do put in Sato, and to your point, Chris, like, maybe there's just not enough scoring in that first unit, and, you know, it creates different problems. Maybe it's, you know, it's not the same problems. Maybe it's the same result, but, um, yeah, it's a different set of problems, let's say. Um, so yeah, that I definitely accept that that is a possible reality, I guess. Um, so it's not one of those topics where like, I feel hundred percent steadfast on, I'm going to argue to the death kind of thing. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where I have an opinion on it's like, yeah, I may be right. I may be wrong, but I ultimately don't care too much. But I guess what I do feel strongly about is that the bulls are just asking Kobe to be too much too soon. Yeah. Like that, that, that disappoints me, I guess. Cause, mm-hmm. um, that could go one of two ways. I mean, that, a lot of players maybe are empowered by that. Maybe they have more talent than maybe what we've seen and they can grow into that. But sometimes that can stall a guy because, you know, that they're, they're being asked to do too much. They're put into sit, uh, too difficult of a situation too quickly and maybe they don't respond. So I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's just an interesting situation. And I, I guess one other thing that I would add to it, and it's kind of a moot point now that Larry's out, but, I kind of feel like Lowry throughout his Bulls tenure is too easily lost within the offense, mm-hmm. not because Bulls guys won't necessarily find him. I mean, that is definitely a problem, but also in large part because Lowry is okay going missing. Um, he's more than happy with other guys taking the workload. So if you have a backcourt of Zach and Kobe starting games, then you're pretty much saying, uh, not not pretty much saying, but I can easily see situations where Larry's just like, yeah, I'll just I'll just coast here. I'll float through this this ten minute block here. Whereas if you put someone like Sato in, and that almost forces Larry to be more of a focal point and pushes him out of his comfort zone, where he's happy to like throwing that ball around, happy for someone else taking the shot. Mm-hmm. If you've got a guy like Sato who's not necessarily looking for his offense, Patrick Williams is still trying to find himself. We know that Wendell Carter is a pass first guy it kind of forces Larry to be more of a score first guy. Like we saw in February, 2019, which, you know, it's two oh, years boy. ago now. I'm tired of that stupid mother. Hey, let him talk. <laughs> I, I, let him I'm talk. I'm tired of it too. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of it. Let him talk, Chris. Let him talk. Rivenness. <laughs> just, just so it's clear, I am not a Lowry guy. I am out on this guy. Let's trade him right now. <laughs> but um, I guess what I'm saying is like the reason why we saw that version of Lowry Markin was we Ooh. traded Bobby Portis and we traded Jabari Parker, two guys who played a similar position and two guys who were more than happy to come into the rotation and get up shots. And because they were happy to get up shots, they were easily overtaking Lowry in the hierarchy. But if you remove those type of players and you sort of force Lowry into being some sort of a scoring option. I do think his scoring is overrated. I don't think he's going to ever be a second option or a legit 20-point uh, point per game guy. But if you take those guys out of the rotation and force Larry to be something more than what he wants to be, push him out of that comfort zone, then I guess that would be just one other point that I would add. But again, I, it's the, we're talking about imperfect solutions here. 
there's um there's pros and cons. Um, starting Sano has its pros, it has its cons. Mm-hmm. So does Kobe. Uh, it's it's a matter of preference. Maybe they both ultimately end up in the same spot. They probably do because to your point, Chris, we're talking about guys who are average at best NBA players right now. Mm-hmm. And I think I've been saying that about Lowry for a long time. Like when I saw him at his best was when he had an actual point guard. And that was in Finland. When I was watching the tape of him in Finland, he had an elite point guard setting him up and everything. And that's why when they got Sato, that was one of the points I was making. Like, okay, because Sato always finds the cutter. And I know Lowry, that's his thing. Like when you got the ball top of the key, Lowry's cutting. And I was like, cool, that can work. That would be great, you know. But it never panned out like that. Maybe because, you know, they just didn't have enough time together. Or what, or maybe because of the you know previous regime uh, who was in here coaching or whatever the case was, but it didn't pan out like I wanted it to. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's why I want Lonzo so bad. <laughs> I just I just want that point guard so so bad, man. But yeah, I don't want to get too hard on the Lowry, but yeah, I'm a fan. But I'm still on the island. But I am checking flights <laughs> to get me off. I will say that I am checking flights. Um, Hey, get... hey, climate change is coming for that island, let me say. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I know. It's I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs>